I'm just a poker player in a liberal world, and I am a liberal tweeter. Getting love on the show. Welcome to the mouthpiece. Today, episode six, year one, part two of an amazing interview with me and 15-time World Series of Poker bracelet winner, Phil Helmuth Jr. I hope you enjoy. Hello? Alan Kessler, is this the famous chainsaw? Who's this? <laughs> this is Mike the Mouth calling from the mouthpiece. What's going on, Alan? Wow. How you doing? I'm doing all right. How you doing? All right, I'm in Tunica, your favorite place. Oh my god, I said I said uh twelve years ago I'd never go back and I've never been back. <laughs> <laughs> What's going on in Tunica? Some circuit event. I was just bored. Yeah. Well, we're calling you because uh, touching on the subject about um, the markup police and the feud with fucking that you and Deeb and even I jumped in and talking about markup. Now, the thought that Sean Deeb could attack you for having .05 markup is, first of all, ridiculous. And uh, second of all, uh, I like to tell people that um, you should not be, people should not bash people if they could get whatever they feel they could get. And so uh, I'm very, I feel very strongly about this. I feel very strongly about um, bringing people into the poker world that want to have pieces of some of their favorite poker players. And uh, I want you to to kind of touch on how you felt this week being attacked. What do you well, feel? the whole thing was kind of weird. I I, uh, I have two different packages. I have okay. like a, a high value mixed game package. Okay. Where fifteen hundred dollar events and lower. Okay. Like just mixed games and like the the real gimmicky type no limit stuff, like the big no, like the right. uh, five hundred dollar ones, the Colossus. Right. Right. Fifteen hundred dollar ones, whatever. Any of the the, the high value, no limits, and uh, it's mostly mixed games like right. fifteen hundred horse, fifteen hundred deuce, fifteen hundred right. Omaha high low, right. fifteen hundred side eight, etc. Are there ten k's in there too, or is that in the other package? Or no, right. the ten k's are in a separate package. Okay, gotcha. So anyway, the fifteen hundred and, and below package. Mm-hmm. Most people charge like 1.4 right. for those they, type of rents because they should. <laughs> they, yeah, they have huge. And Sean even admitted today on his Twitter that my that he would even give me 1.25 in those type of events. Right. He would rate me as 1.25. Yeah. And anyway, uh, so those events, and then 10K mix, right. which I. Uh, I've had pretty good success in those. I yeah. I've uh, came in second in the 10 K spread eight right. several years ago for like 300,000. Yep. Uh, last year I made the final table in the 10 K Raz. Right. Uh, when, uh, when the, when the stud tournament was a five K championship, I finished, I think third in that. Mm-hmm. So, uh, the last couple of years, actually the, the structure is being like completely crazy in those. Mm-hmm. It's been very hard for me to to uh, go deep in those, mm-hmm. 
because that's not my style to like either bust out or, or move on. Right. So I haven't had much success in those, except last year I didn't make the final table in the Rav's. But right. uh, anyway, because of that, those events, I made a separate package of eight possible events I would play in those right. at 1.05, <laughs> which you can't get lower much. than that because no, lower than that would just be whatever. Whatever. You so anyway, that's ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, it, 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 the whole thing escalated because I, I listed on two plus two, uh, you know, the different that I made like, I don't know, six or seven final tables in the last eight or nine years. Right. And mostly mixed in all the, actually all the, all my final tables are in different events, which is very difficult to do actually. And uh, but, you know, you were in the 50 K you were deep, but I remember you had aces cracked by, no. uh, and you played that hand so yeah, beautifully I had, against I Hennigan. By Hennigan I, I still made the final table in that also. Right. So you made, you played that, me. those aces so great. Everybody else would have lost so many. When you check back the turn, I, I was watching the hand and then fucking he bet the river and you call it. I'm like, that's just, I don't know how I could ever check back the turn there and then allowed you to get, you know, make I don't the know how table. you remember that hand. but the, Because the, uh, I happen to be watching and I'm just like, and I just happen to just be walking up to the table. There was like, I think 10 left or, or may, uh, yeah, I think it was like 10 Yeah, left. I made the final table on that also. Yeah. So uh, all the people that ripped me, that, that year I was selling the 50K at par. Right. And I had to turn people away because I wound up selling like 80 or 90% because right. like Doyle Brunson wanted 30,000. Right. Todd wanted this and uh, like just random people like Bill Chen, all these people kept saying they wanted like one or two. Anyway, I had this whole list right. of like four or 50 and I wanted to make the final. That was the last time I played the event because the year after that, they added like deuce and some other crap to right. it for two years, which I didn't want to play. Yeah. I, and that's then why I the last two years, I've, I've been in some other events when, whenever it happened, I've been like in day twos or whatever. Right. But I actually made the final table in that event after like Scott Seaver was ripping me the whole entire tournament. What are you doing in this tournament? You're outclassed. And uh, I got actually got him to admit at the end of the tournament because we had played together for a while mm -hmm. that I said, I just want to ask you a question, Scott, you know, that we played for three or four days in this tournament. Do you think that I'm uh, worth above par in this tournament? And he said, yes, I'd have to give you credit. You're above par in this tournament. And this is a 50 K players championship listen i i get on people's case that that listen you you're kind of sometimes annoying but you're a good guy and i think you you work hard on improving your play and um you ask you you come up to me you ask me how would i have played this hand or how would i have played this and a lot of times i'll tell you i maybe i would i would have done this and you said yeah i was thinking you're right i probably should have checked back and uh, but you you ask questions and especially when it comes to you know uh, Omaha events because you know, I'll tell you one thing you respect me I've never that. seen anybody analyze Omaha eight hands the way you do you are like the best person to ever ask about Omaha eight hands thanks bro and that that's that's a a compliment because I talked to a lot of people about Omaha eight hands yeah but you think about it like nobody else does like yeah. I remember this I I don't remember the exact hand but uh, Randy Jens was at the table and you were at the table and it was. You had this amazing hand, like ace do something something, and yeah, ace do three nine, hand. and I folded. Yeah. yeah, and you fold the hand, and you showed you, you showed me the hand as you were folding because yeah. I was sitting next to you. We both were really deep in the tournament, like maybe yeah. twenty left. Yeah, and you said anybody else would be out of the tournament right now, and you and, you, and, and I would have gone broke that hand. hand. I would have gone broke that hand, and I and I tried to explain yeah. to you why. So, 
you know, and uh, I don't want to give too much of my secrets away, but um, there's, you know, it's uh, one of my, I tell people like one of the best uh, articles I ever wrote, the bottom line is, is um, you have to kind of like think outside the box and locate the aces and know when it goes raise, re-raise, cold call, that all the small cards are out and somebody else probably has ace deuce and you just, you have to think outside the box. And a lot of times, uh, uh, just, you just got to make the fold. I mean, Scotty Wynn taught me that back in the day when Scotty was the best 08 player in the world. And don't worry, Scotty's still one of the best, but, um, he, he taught me a lot of, of situational folds, uh, with it, with certain ace deuce hands. And, uh, it, it helped me out a lot. So, but, uh, you know, I, I, I wanted to, like, touch on it because I had your back. Um, I actually not only – it started to get nasty between me and Sean and as much of an asshole Sean is, we always – we have a good relationship. We we get along yeah, fine. Yeah, actually, I, 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 I get along with Sean okay, but he just – every so often he just – like, we, we played Raz for, yeah. in two different tournaments uh, in the 1500 and I think also in the 10K. Mm-hmm. And every time I would beat him in a hand, he would criticize the way I played the hand. But, like, I, I outplayed him multiple times in Raz, and he just wouldn't admit that I, that I well, you know, it's, it's, I, it's I had what, the hand figured out when we had. Yeah, and, well, uh, it's one of the big problems of people that think they're better than everybody else. They don't understand things that other people are doing. And I think more or less Sean likes to just start shit uh, because that's what he does. I I just like I texted him privately and I just told him why he was wrong. He didn't really we didn't get into it too much where he was thinking, "No, Mike, you're wrong. This is that not." But on Twitter, he wanted to go at it and because he wants to this what is what yeah, he Yeah, like he's saying he's saying to me that he wants to see my records for the past 10 years at the World Series. And that admits that he doesn't even have his own records mm-hmm. for like even the last 2 or 3 years. Here's, he wants me to he wants me to come up with my, my exact yeah. last 10 years records. I'm on the road, awesome. first of all. Yeah. And I told him, oh, I shouldn't have to produce this. I I have like 70 World Series caches. I'm in yeah. like the top group in a lot of these different World right. Series records. I have like 1.8 million in World Series caches. Right. Well, I have to show you my records. And besides the, that, but that's no not the, the point. The point is, yeah. yeah. The, the point is, is it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. If you want to charge 1.5 and people are willing to pay it, then fucking... I'm not even charging anything substantial. I'm I know. 1.05. I know. It's a like, joke. Ridiculous. It's so ridiculous. And uh, listen, uh, it, it kind of bothered Obviously, me. Obviously, I must know what I'm doing. I made the final table of the 50K Players Championship with yeah. like 100 of world-class players in it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. like three or four other final tables in the five and 10 K championship events. So the, the gra- these are all against the players in each game. The greatest comment is that of Sean Deeb is it doesn't matter what you did uh, your whole life in poker. It only matters what you've done the last four years because he's done well the last like two or three. So that's all yeah, that matters. Yeah, well, Everybody else fucking sucks. It's pretty yeah, funny. Well, he was selling action himself for every, you know, to, to other people for years and years and years right. before he finally Exactly. So you know, 
No, he was being staked by a certain person for year after year after year or two. So it, I think it's pretty funny when he gets a hold of a lot of money and now everybody sucks and, and nobody should be able to do this. And listen, I call him out on it. And uh, But, you know, I, me and Sean get, as much as everybody thinks Sean's the biggest asshole, uh, we get along well. Yeah. and uh, No, I get along with him well also. I, like, I even mentioned that on Twitter. I said, you know, we, we were together for a one whole month in WSOP Europe. He was there right. chasing the uh, player of the year, but he, right. nobody actually came to uh, to chase. Right. So he didn't really have to chase, but he was already there. So, and, you know, I, I cashed like four or five times there That's also. Great. So I was just there because I, I like to play World Series events. That's great. Well, I just wanted to touch on that for my segment. I want to bring up something very important, though. So, so okay. today, he, he's doing something where he's saying, ask me any question you like, right? On Twitter? He's got, like some open, open mic thing where you can ask him any question, right? Okay. So he's upset because he, he thinks that I've, I actually am pretty well off, but he thinks that I'm well off and I shouldn't be selling anything at markup regardless. Right. Because I don't need the money. That's what he's like to right. claim, right? So I said, forgetting that that point, I said, what do you think my value is in my low package, fifteen hundred or less, high value, no limits, and and mixed games, right? Mm-hmm. So he gives me an answer. He says, in in the limit in in the mixed games, not limit, like whatever mixed game, PLO, uh, Omaha Eight, whatever, all the mixed games, horse. Mm-hmm. I would give you a 1.25, which is a reasonable number. Mm-hmm. And he said, in the, in the no limits where you're playing like mostly people off the street, like recreational players in these $500 no limits, mm-hmm. he's saying, even though I've had pretty big success in these, that, my, that I'm worth below par in those. He's, a lo- he's right? wrong. He's wrong. So I say, he says, your overall package should be 1.1. That was his new number. Okay. Right? Mm-hmm. Because 1.25, and I said, well, first of all, the majority of my package is the 1.25 events that you're talking about. Right. I only sprinkle in these no-limit events if, if there's nothing else to play. Right. Yeah. I, I would never like, play. I play like, two no-limit events a year, so I understand. Omaha or something, right? right? Yeah. So anyway, I, I come up with a question, and I say, listen, you're saying that I'm, I'm worth below par <laughs> in the no-limit events. Would you cross-book me at par? Yeah. In the 1500 or below, no limits, right? Yeah. And he says, what's the point of you cross-booking me if you're selling action? That's just giving you more action at par. That doesn't make sense. So I come back with this. I say, I'll tell you what. I'll post on Twitter, and I guarantee you people, either on poker shares or just random people, will want to cross-book against you, taking me at par in these uh, low buy and high value. I'll take you. I'll take you at par, too. I think you'll yeah, crush him. So, yeah. so anyway, uh, he doesn't really respond. But then this guy Plano Pads, who's like some—I don't know who he is. Right. Patrick Leonard, yeah, Plano Pads on Twitter. Yeah, I don't know. Who he I comes mean. back and he says, "Sean, I'll take Allen and all the fifteen hundred or below no limits mm-hmm. at par to crossbook." Wow. Right. So now, he, now he's put on the spot after he claimed that I'm worth like below par, right? Right. And. He he reneged on the offer and he said, uh, "It's too much risk for a very small game, so I, told, I won't do I it." I told you he just likes to be an asshole. He just it just that's what he does, you know. I, I, and he admits it. That's the thing, you know. I can't I can't argue with a guy who admits I like to be an asshole. Um, 
Yeah, you know, so, I mean, if you're going to say somebody's worth below par, and then you tell them that, and then they offer it a cross book, and he comes up with a excuse of that, and I said, well, we'll get somebody different to cross book. That way, I'm not taking more of my own action. So if somebody else volunteers to take more action, and then he reneges on the whole thing, and he says, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to do it. It's I, funny. I, there's no upside for yeah, me. It's funny. Is like, listen, I think Sean's a great Nolan and Holden player. I think I'm a great Nolan no, and Holden player, but. I would. No, I know I'm not. I, I, I would. I would not book cross book myself against you in the smaller buy and no limits because, first of all, uh, I'd be thinking about a 10k 08 or mixed game going on the next day, and I could probably half the time just dump my chips to go because I didn't want to miss that tournament. So yeah, uh, I, I see, think you have. I don't play that way. I take each tournament as it comes. I don't yeah. buy. I don't think about the net, like. Yeah, some but, days I'll do something, and I don't think you know if I make this, I'm going to miss the 10k set eight yeah, or whatever. I, I just uh, play. Maybe that's what I should do. I, I think of tournaments I I that I know I'm a that I'm a favorite in that I'm not going to miss no matter what. So then I'll miss some some real good EV no limit tournaments that I should probably be playing because uh, I'm afraid to miss like a an 08 or a stud eight tournament. So maybe that's something this year I'll I'll, I'll take into consideration. So. Anyways, it's good talking to you, Alan. Uh, I, I just wanted to get your take on that, and then I'm going to put you on for an actual interview, and we'll talk about different things. All right, uh, no problem. Later. I'll be on for like a whole segment if you want. You got it. All right, my man. All right. Take you. care. Bye. The Mouthpiece. If you'd like to take part in our phone call segment, you can give us a call at 702 And if you're a snowflake or a pussy and you don't want to talk to me, you can email me at mouthpiecepodcast at gmail.com. Also, follow me at the Mouth Mattiso on Twitter for times that our call-in segment will be live. Okay, here comes my favorite part of the week, the phone call segments. Let's see what people have to say this week on The Mouthpiece. Hey, this is Mike Mattison. Welcome to The Mouthpiece. This is Mike? This is Mike. Who's this? Mike, what's up, man? My name's Rick. I'm from San Pedro, brother. Oh, what's up, my man? How's it going, man? Hey, man. I just got a, I got a couple questions for you, man. You I really it. admire your game. I admire your personality, what you've been through. I just want to know your insight when you went through that whole ultimate bet when you were playing online mm-hmm. and you were getting crushed and they had the uh, the super the super user whatever the hell was going on yep. and you knew you knew you were better than what the results you I were knew getting, I was getting cheated you, I knew for sure yeah, I you, thought you, that but but you know what you kept firing though what mm-hmm. what, what made my, my question is this what made you keep going after it, even though you knew um you weren't I was very good friends with Russ Hamilton and I called him and said, I know I'm getting cheated. I lost 53 out of 54 poker sessions. I said, I feel it. I'm getting making these great moves. I'm getting called by third pair, fourth pair. I'm like, something's not right. He goes, we, oh, Mike, we, not, we have the greatest security. It's impossible. This man used to call me to play him head up Omaha 8 or better, 300, 600. Okay? So, so my question is this, Mike. You knew You knew you were getting beat. By a sucker. You knew you were better than him. Yeah. And you lost 53 out of 54. What made you keep playing? I know he kept telling you and giving you bullshit, but, I mean, I how just, come you weren't smart enough to see it, brother? Uh, tell me. Tell me. I just I, want to know I, what you were because thinking. Because I, bl- I was blinded by friendship. I was blinded by 
people who I thought would, would never, I mean, he would call me to play him head up and was beating me every time. And I was the best Omaha eight or better player in the world. And I mean, I, I mean, shit, I, I got, I That's got 350,000 back, but I think I should have got wait, a million what's that? back. Wait, wait, I, I didn't hear you. That. They returned, that they returned 350,000 to me. But I. But your total was over a million. I think I got cheated out of a lot more. I think close to a million, you know. But well, listen, when I got the three fifty back, it was like found money. So whatever, it is whatever. But it didn't is. didn't didn't that same thing fuck UConn too? Like that put him through mm. the whole. Like he went through that same deal. Let right? me tell you something about Brad UConn. Brad, I used to chase him. And around. I love I love I love I love yeah. that dude's game. Lem- I used to. But chase- I know he's I know he's a little degenerate. But I, I mean, used I to chase him around. I'm also like. I'm like, what are you worried about money? All you have to do is follow life is good around. He's free money. I mean, he would tilt and give away his money. So he wants to say he got cheated. I don't think he got cheated. He was a fucking, he used to play like shit online. I mean, he online, was, online, yeah. online, but on, in live games. No, he plays good, good player, live. Right? He plays really good live, but online, the game wasn't meant for him and he was less like a sucker. So, you know, he wants to say he was cheated because he was, but I'm telling you before I knew him and we became real, we're, we're actually, we became pretty good friends for a while. Matter of fact, yeah, I, bl- yeah, yeah. I blame him for my losing streak because he broke my mirror in my, in my house. And then after I was like a multimillionaire and then he broke my mirror and then I lost about, I don't even know how many millions straight. I blame him all the time for so, it. So he brought the bad juju to you. Well, I'm, I'm very superstitious that he broke this mirror that was in my house. So I'm just like, dude, if I fucking end up, my life comes a, goes bad, I'm going to blame you. And then next thing you know, I, I lost all my money. And I got paralyzed. I mean, I blame it all on Brad. Don't worry. But uh, but you know what? He he really played bad online, and most of the money he lost was because he. The, the thing. No, that, I've seen a lot of I, I've seen a lot of videos when he posted yeah, online. Yeah. He played like I mean he was awful. Yeah. For being like a high stakes player and being yeah. a winning player like like yeah. Bussy, like like live when I saw yeah. him play online, I was like, this dude's fucking awful. Yeah, he's but terrible. He still was cheated. He was yeah. cheated. But you know what? If the worst thing that come out of the UB thing, and I tell people this all the time, is. Because they were looking at my cards, they took away my ability to pull the trigger. I used to be the most aggressive player in poker, and then I became afraid, yeah. to, afraid to fucking pull the bluff because I was always afraid of getting called. Because every time I did it online, they they called me. So that was it. Took me so not, so not, not only it took me many a years. Bank account. They, they 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 took your soul because yeah, that's every the, move you thought was right. Right. You were getting called down and losing, so it affected your whole game. Yeah. Now, I'm able to pull the trigger now a little more, not like I used to, but I, it, it really, that was the worst thing. Forget the money. I could care what the money they took. The, what they took away, the ability to, to pull that trigger for many years, many years, cost me so much money. It, it, it's, it can yeah, never get Yeah, because you got to be looking in the mirror after those sessions and going, what's wrong with my game? Yeah. yeah. You know, I thought I was a top, I thought I was a top five player. Believe and me. And I'm getting crushed every exactly. single session. Exactly. That was the worst part of it. I appreciate you calling in. Tell all your friends to listen to the mouthpiece and uh, have a great weekend. Hey, Mike, you're the best. Man. I'm rooting you on, brother. Thanks, brother. Take care. Bye. Bye. If you haven't been lucky enough to catch us during our live phone call segments, keep in mind that you can call me at any time and leave a voicemail with your questions. So let's take some voicemails now from our listeners. Hi, Mike. This is uh, Andrea from Miami. Um, I hear you saying that, you know, you are one of the best, you know, mixed, mixed, play, uh, mixed game players. I just uh, want to ask you if you think there's going to be um, like a boom of poker where a different uh, type of poker is going to come up like you know before was limit and now you know no limit came along 
let's say, what do you think would be the next, you know, type of poker that can actually, you know, uh, be successful? PLO, Oma, you know, Oma Heat or Stad. And if you think, you know, they're going to be actually a new uh, boom for a different type of poker, uh, would you be ready to, you know, kind of like be, uh, you know, on the on the front end playing all the games and, you know, where the people probably they're not as good as you and, you know, try to get all the money again. Yeah. You're doing great. By the way, I love the podcast. I love it. You know, uh, you think you meant for uh, <laughs> to do the podcast. I keep on doing great, great work. Bye. Well, thanks, buddy. Um, I think it's very possible the next big thing, and some people disconnect, disagree with me, will be um, short deck, no limit hold'em. Uh, it seems to be catching on. Uh, I think they might even be having a, a short deck event at the World Series this year. I'm not quite sure. I'll have to look into that. Uh, but somebody told me they were. Um, because no limit holding is so boring to watch, and uh, everybody out there will be the first to say it's like watching paint dry, um, I think with short deck being there's always action, uh, I think it'll be more riveting for television. Uh, that's my opinion. I have not played it yet, but I talk to people about it all the time, and it was pretty funny. Somebody asked me about it. I said, uh, so there's no two, threes, fours, or fives or in the deck or sixes. I said, well, this is a, that's real easy. So 10-jack suit is the best hand, right? And they said, yeah. And I said, they said, well, aces is like a tenth of a percentage better, but the second best hand is 10-jack suited, but they all overplay it. And I didn't even need uh, to know anything about or about short deck poker to know that ten jack suit is the best hand because there's with all the one ace, ones through sixes being out. There's I mean ten jack makes a straight any which way you you look at it, it makes a nut straight. So uh, plus it can make a flush. So it didn't take me long to figure that out. Um, th so that's my opinion. I think short deck no limit hold'em could take off right now. Um, as far as the mixed games go, I, I hope a lot more people get into mixed games, but uh, they're kind of boring to watch unless you get shorthanded. Actually, they might even be more boring to watch than No Limit Hold'em because you got to play even tighter because it's a pretty mathematical game. So that's my opinion on that. So thanks for the call. Appreciate it. The mouthpiece. I want to touch uh, on uh, something else that's... Uh, pretty important to me to talk to you about and that's uh what i consider is since i've known you um the best poker tournament you ever played and that's uh the 2012 world series of poker main event um you uh became the first person in history to win the main event and the world series of poker europe main event um you want to tell our listeners about what went through your mind, how you decided to change gears and become the old, super aggressive Phil Helmuth that just dominated that table. Uh, why don't you go ahead and tell everybody? Well, I mean, you know, that also happened to me in the 100K buy-in about three years ago. I remember uh, that. The one drop where yep. I just was playing every hand and going crazy. Mm -hmm. I was just playing on pure reads. Right. And it was just, it's its kind of something to behold, and then people start talking about it. But that one's actually captured on tape. Right. 
So for about four days, I just thought I had perfect reads. It's like I knew what they had every hand. Right. And if you know what they have every hand, then you're playing every hand. So I remember one day, there was a guy that kept raising, and he was pretty aggro. And I'm like, oh, he has nothing. So he'd open for, you know, 4000 and I'd make it 20000 mm-hmm. I never even looked at my cards. Just mm-hmm. over and over. He kept folding, kept folding, kept folding. Maybe got away with 180 bluffs in that tournament. Uh, probably 178 out of 180 worked. Would you would you say that you bluffed? That's blo- a sick number, Mike. Would That's you say, number. is this a fair? The reason why. I want to ask you one thing. Is this a fair enough statement that you bluffed more times in that 2012 main event than you might have bluffed in the last six years combined? No, not even close. Okay. Go ahead. <laughs> what do you think? I just played super tight all the time and then flick it on once a year. No, I think that that in the last three four years that you re- the last three years especially that we that I think super tight is right and you don't you don't go I'm not talking about three betting but I'm talking about going Mike for when four you months. and I discuss poker when I tell you what I'm doing right. and you and I and Brandon Cantor are the only people I talk poker right. with when I tell you what I'm doing we're talking about how is the world playing right now correct and if the world's playing no hands then I can play every hand correct well we know but that, I will yeah. tell you generally speaking. They're playing tons of hands right now. Right. And so it's just, they make my job easy. All I have to do is sit in a shell and wait yeah. and make a few reads. Like, I only have to make two or three reads a day. Right. Because they just play so many hands now. Correct. And so that's a beautiful thing. And now all of a sudden it seems like they've shifted back towards super tight again. Yeah, but there, it that. seems like there's a herd mentality in poker. We all agree what's perfect. And mm-hmm. then as a way of ending, oh, I'm so good at poker, even though these guys don't even cash half of them oh i'm so good at poker look what phil is doing wrong right and then they all agree yeah. so it's beautiful it's a beautiful system the mob mentality. that i can make a play oh, can, my favorite word to say the mob mentality go ahead not when i'm tired but when i'm actually playing great and i put on some moves that they've never seen before or they discard it mm-hmm. and so then they all agree it was a bad play and so then i hear it's you that hand is universally dinged up Mm-hmm. And I'm and I'm at home laughing with Cantu and you, mm-hmm. and we're like, how can the world not understand the beauty of this play? Yeah. How how can what I wonder is how can great players n- not understand reality? Well, In other words, if someone's winning all the time, mm-hmm. a year after year after year. You know, and they're always winning bracelets. They're getting there in no limit hold insurance all the time, year after year after year. And you don't know what they're doing. Then why in the world aren't you studying what they're doing? Well, uh, Ted Ford. But not, let me finish. Go but ahead. not these guys. No. Instead, they'd rather spend time throwing shade and teaching the world to play poorly. And that just so happens to be the perfect formula for me, <laughs> you know, and for you. Because yeah. they're all playing badly. And so it's a beautiful thing. When they teach these, when they teach everybody's on GTO, GTO is the best theory ever. It'll never be wrong. Well, most of the high limit players have moved off GTO already. But for three years, they said this will never, no one will ever beat GTO. Well, it's great for people that don't know how to play. I mean, if you don't have any talent, GTO is a beautiful thing, you know, but if you have talent, I, I don't. Yeah, but there's a lot of systems that are beautiful thing if you have no talent. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree. And so it's interesting to me. I mean, I. I severely disagreed with a lot of GTO stuff. Like, you know, for example, they they were teaching you're supposed to call almost every re-raise before the flop. So you raise with 
10-9 offsuit, someone else puts in a big re-raise, you're supposed to call. Yeah. Okay. Now, I think that's horrendous. Me too. And so, but the funny thing is, the funny thing is that they all swore by it. Now they're on to the next theory and the next theory. But it's very interesting to see which way they go. You know, um, yeah. some great players think you're supposed to defend in the blind every single hand. And they're doing that. And some can pull it off. Right. Well, I mean, it's just going to make me, you. If you wanted it, to tell me, if you wanted to say, wow, I'm a great player, I want to defend 60 or 70% of the big blinds, I might say, okay, so be it, but you're, that's only because you're a great player. I agree. You can't do it unless you're a great player and you're able to read after the flop. And um, it's, uh, I remember, uh, I'll just go back like a couple months ago to the wind tournament um, that I played in. I had raised and the guy three bet me. And I thought he was weak, okay? But I purposely turned ace-jack over just to show, to think he could run me over. And he showed me, like, he had, like, 10-9 or something, and he was laughing or whatever. And I'm, and he's, like, telling all his friends, you know, like, oh, look, I might just insta-folded ace-jack. I, well, I did it for a reason. They don't, they don't understand. I, I, I like, I always like to say, if you ever think you're running over a great player, you better reevaluate your situation. They all th <laughs> they all think that I'm the tightest in the world, which hey, I play tight, okay, but I also set them up, you know, for when the blinds and annies go higher and then I pick my spots and well, I'm not going to give my strategy. Never mind. I'm the tight knit. Never mind. Forget. Let's just erase what I just said. <laughs> but but if you ever think you're running over a tight player, you're not, okay, or a good player, okay? And the thing is, is like you were just saying, is they like to, Ted Forrest once told me something. It was the greatest quote ever. Everyone compares their A game to the next person's F game. So they see somebody that's having a bad day or misplays a couple hands, and they're like, oh, he's an idiot. Oh, he's the worst. Oh, whatever. And they don't, they just don't get it. You know, they've had bad days too, and uh, that's one of the that's why uh back in the days we we could get away with it because you know there weren't that many great players and i respect a lot more players than i used to but uh you know you uh you've really helped me out like even in the lapc recently uh with you know these these guys aren't better than you mike quit thinking they're better than you they're not you know and you you know you built my confidence up you you helped me you know, you really helped me out a lot, get through. And I, and I still, I believe to this day, and I, I have no problem saying it. I finished 27th, but with 35 people to go, I had 57 big blinds at two hour levels. And I had only played with two other people who I thought were as good and maybe slightly better than me. And I hadn't played a no limit hold'em tournament in two years. So, you know, I, that's why I believe when we discuss no limit hold'em strategy and stuff, I still believe the way we think is the way and i'm not going to tell anybody the way we think because uh, they'll just have to well that's the it. first time you listened to me in a while too i was i was texting you you were texting me hands and i yeah. was really encouraging you to play super super tight yeah and and you're you happen to be really good at that yeah and you know and that, yeah then you were making you actually kept your moves down to like three or four a day some days not even making many moves right because they they're such calling stations. That's all you had to do. Yeah, and and we're and so also deep. Also, for you, for you, because you were on less men, so you went from taking over twenty pills a day down to like whatever ten <laughs> a day or nine. Yeah. 
And but you were much clearer thinking because you started beating me on the app. I knew you were thinking clearly. <laughs> and so I'm like, wow, Mike's thinking clearly. Even when you were doing 20 pills a day, you were winning money every time I staked you. Right. And so and so then I was like, whoa. I mean, now now he seems really fucked. Yeah. And first tournament out of the box, you won a super satellite to get in. Right. And then. You went deep, and you had a shot in that thing. No, I had a good shot. I, you know, you, pretty, I think you lost a big hand with Ace King against fours late, late, late. Yeah, it was pretty, pretty, pretty depressing. But you know, that's, uh, you know, that's it. So um, when you won that, uh, going back to you, going back to you, I just when you won the WSOP main event, and um, I remember all the the kids in the world all the the young players they're finally like oh i've never seen phil play like that oh he played so great oh he did this oh he did that and listen i i'll go out on the i watched that final table on tv and i i thought it was the best i had seen you play in years but uh well, mike you know, i played 48 percent of the hands at that final table no one in history has done that not yeah, even close and normally you I mean, play about a lot less ten deuce. i was calling raises with I could play any two because I always knew whether they hit or not. Mm -hmm. You know? And even if they did hit, I knew if I could take it away. Even if you go back all the years. If you go back and you look at that final table, Mike, Mm -hmm. you'll see that Sergey put like four just nasty beats on me. One time he had king nine. I slow played jack ten on the ten four deuce. The deuce paired. Now I raised him on the turn. Mm -hmm. And he called with king nine. And he hit a king. (laughs) And I bet out decently on the river. And he flipped up three times. I trapped him with top pair. And three times he hit his offsuit overcard after calling a better raise on 4th Street. Okay. <laughs> and I, that just set me off. And But effectively what it did is it just made me, you know, spend a couple of extra hours. But if you go back, that was that was probably, that was one of my best performances ever. And I knew this coming out of it. I knew that I was in trouble. Mm-hmm. For a while, because I knew that you can't play that fast <laughs> and right. get away with it all the time, unless right. you have perfect reads. Right. And I remember heading right to the win a few months later, and playing in a tournament or one of those places, and I had a lot of chips, and I just couldn't slow down when I was supposed to. Right. And uh, and I was just so it was, but it, but when you get it in your blood to play that fast. You and there are some young players that are really good at playing fast. Right. And once they learn how to pair that with playing slow, oh, yeah. then they'll then they really will show something. Well, that was but that was Antonio's problem for a lot of. We used to always laugh. We're like, God, Antonio's so great at playing fast, but he never knows how to slow up. If he ever did, he'd be unbelievable. Antonio is a special case because if you ask Antonio, he'll admit this. Yeah. He was one of the fastest tournament players ever yeah. and one of the slowest, tightest cash game <laughs> players ever. And t- tell everybody <laughs> what he is now, t- uh, Phil. And now all of a sudden he's one of the fastest cash game players, but he also gets to play in the best games. Right, yeah. You know, He's invited me to his games, and I just don't fly away, even though the game's good. Right. You know, I just I choose to spend more time doing what I want to do every day. You know, you know? One, one, one thing I respect about Antonio, the one of his cr- – Famous quotes, and it was recently when it was back during the LAPC when he said, uh, "How come you didn't play the two four hundred game on the bi- at the bike?" And he goes, "Sir," he goes, "I don't want to play against. I don't play against seven pros. I play against seven fish." And it's such a great comment because poker, and this is poker's not about 
trying to beat the best players in the world. It's it's about finding the best game that gives you the best equity to to win money. That's what well, makes I, it I, I disagree a little bit, Mike, but yeah. but but you're for most people that's what poker's about. Right. And, and Antonio's case is interesting because because you know here's a guy that you know has lost millions of dollars on televised high stakes games, millions. Right. Right. He'll admit it. I mean, he he didn't win for like three years in a televised cash game. Hmm. And then somehow, some way, um, he's won just so much money in the cash games. Right. And Antonio, I know him. He wouldn't want me to mention any numbers. Right, right I don't. Yeah, so I won't. But I'll right. just say that he's done really well right. in cash games. Yeah, I don't. And, uh, you know, his, uh, I, I, you know, I like his thought process in cash games. He gets, you know, he gets now, he Gets himself where he's the better player, the best player. He plays against. No, dude, people. do you remember the beat he put on you? Oh yeah, <laughs> he lost his mind on this hand. It was. Oh I mean, my we God. were playing like the blinds were five ten, right? Two and five. <laughs> With, you made it like twelve hundred to go. No, queen. it was a thousand dollars straddle. I made it three thousand, and I only had like twelve behind, and he calls three. 3,000 cold and with ace eight of diamonds and and uh and um and you are the <laughs> tightest player in the world in that game you make it three thirty two hundred. i thought you made it yeah 3200 with ace eight suited and then it comes king three four all diamonds yeah. and you have red queens queens yeah so but I know well, he doesn't have ace king because he would have re-raised me because that's a few. yeah so you check raise them all in and he's yeah. like i've been up yeah and I just thought, how did he call 3200 with the ace eight of diamonds? Because Mike hasn't play? played a hand in two and a half hours. What did you think he has? And he says, well, I just figured if he misses, I'll just take the pot from him. I'm like, misses what? What did you, I mean, what did you think I had? <laughs> that was pretty funny, Gan. But, yeah, I respect Antonio. But, um, all right, well, we'll talk about um, the 2013 NBC head up between uh, me and you uh, when we ended up head up in that tournament. Um, <laughs> I know you um, you think I made a bad call in the tournament, and which is fine. That's all, that's all good. But no, one hundred percent, you made a bad call. The weird thing is, you're you ignore reality sometimes. Like all you have to do is go back and look at the video and see how much you called, and you'd be like, "Oh God, that was a horrible call." Of course, but like some people, when they know they're wrong in an argument, they uh, they they say all kinds of weird stuff. Like, "Well, there was this or that or the other thing." Well, the one thing that was in your favor is this, Mike. You did not have the math. Like the math was so far against. No, it was. No, I I know the math the was against thing, me. You forgot that I would have had the chip lead uh, had you lost the pot. But the one thing that I talked you into making the call. Once you flipped up the queen deuce, I knew I had to talk you into calling to mm -hmm. give me back the chip lead. And I said, Mike, this might be your only chance to win it. Well, is what well, I said. My and all of a sudden, you had this weird look on your face. And I think I counted my I chips and I said, well, there's like 1.6 million in chips. If I lose the hand, I still got like 780, which is almost even. I'm like, I feel like I'm playing good enough to win. I like and I can win the tournament right here. I know I'm getting the wrong odds and I'm just like, fuck it, man. I can fucking call, win it here. And if not, I could just go back and play solid and win it there. But 
So that was, but you did talk. Dude, you bet like you, you did talk like me into calling. I will. You bet I, like eighty thousand, and I moved in for three hundred and fifty. No, I bet. I bet. I, I bet one oh seven, and you moved in for three thirty five. But the point was, is no, uh, Mike. You want a side bet on that? I, I, yeah, you got to bet. I bet one oh seven to be exact. Much? Trust me, I bet one oh seven. You say eighty three fifty seven. When I bet and you moved in, it was I don't know about another. Mike, bet me three thousand. Okay. No, I'm not betting. You won my you. last one of these bets. I'm gonna be- beat you again, but but I I can't pay if I lose, so I don't I can't make That's my okay. bet. That's okay. We'll put it on the bill. Five thousand. And you're saying I bet eighty on the on the turn. No, I'm saying what I'm saying, and it's recorded for everybody, is that I was all in for three hundred and fifty-seven thousand. Correct, three fifty-seven Magnum. I remember that correctly. It was so. Yeah. I, I remember because when I went in the tank, you said three fifty-seven Magnum, baby. Or no, after I I went in the tank, you I said three fifty-seven Magnum, baby. So I know you were all in for three fifty-seven, but I'm. Pretty sure. I'm, well, I'm, you say I bet eighty. I say I bet one hundred and seven. It was like three fifty more to call. I was just betting that I had three fifty seven. Oh, I know you had three fifty seven. Hundred percent. That. Uh, okay, so well, now you do. You almost bet another three. No, but well, we. It was a misunderstanding <laughs> there. I. Uh, this is a, anyway, th- okay, Mike. Whatever. So, the point is, you made the call, and right. you you needed a diamond right. to win. I had top pair. I also said, Mike, I might have a deuce. I studied so long, I might have a deuce. Mm-hmm. Of course, I had top pair with a kicker. Yeah, well, I knew so you humble, king. But, <laughs> but you actually thought, wow, if he doesn't have a deuce, I can hit a queen or a diamond. <laughs> <laughs> well, before you called, before you called, I thought you had like second pair, and I'm like, oh, well, I can hit a queen or a diamond. But when you called, I, I, I knew you had a king. And and it's so funny going back to him like like the young kids are like oh what took Phil so hard to call he had top pair well because he knew I wasn't bluffing and I had re raised pre with like queen deuce so if I if he knows I'm not bluffing uh, which I really kind of wasn't it was like a semi bluff what does Phil beat and that and these are you know we're not going to talk strategies that was one of those hands Mike where it came king jack and I had king ten. Right. That was one of those hands where I needed the three minutes. Like that's what people don't understand. I play super fast all yeah. the time. Every almost almost all the old school players are super fast. Every once in a while, I need three or four minutes on one hand. Right. And it happened to me the other night in my cash game here in Palo Alto, mm-hmm. and it happened to me that time. And I took three or four minutes, mm-hmm. and finally, I'm like, okay, I have them for sure. And then I moved in. Right. And I, so I remember you look back at your wife when I went to tank and you go, we got him, baby. <laughs> I'll never forget it. I mean, it seems like it was yesterday, which it was for me because my last five years has been such a nightmare. Well, you know what hurt about that one, Mike, is I, as I, as I'll tell you, I think of all the matches, I think I won my matches pretty easily and pretty quickly. Each mm-hmm. one. For some mm-hmm. reason, I have a knack for heads up. Mm-hmm. Just played a heads up on the East coast and won that with 64 players. I have a knack for heads up. Yeah, I mean, and I'll and, I, and I'll go. No, I'll go on the on the limb and say as far in no limit hold'em. I always felt Phil was a better no limit hold'em head up player than me. Um, well, he's I mean, like had the best what was me. it a year and a half ago? I played uh, Jungle Man heads up, and I played uh, yeah. Doug Poke heads up. 
mm-hmm. and I won that championship. And so right. I have a knack for heads up. Hold'em's no. always made sense to me, but head ups, hold'em has always made the most sense to me. And I, I look and back, so, but people don't realize. I want people to go back and look. Is me and Phil actually filmed a head up? Uh, this is at the height of the poker boom. I think uh, for EA Sports uh, for the World Series of Poker. And we were all dressed in those little dots, <laughs> and we and you had to unlock um, to get to play Phil Head Up. Remember that? Uh, you were like the on the cover of that yep. ES. Okay, so we made we played a, ma- uh, a couple of matches, and so um, uh, you get to unlock to watch us play, and then the winner of us, you got whatever it was, and you dominated me in that match. I'll never forget it. And I and and that was back when I was. That was before the the ultimate bet scandal, where I was still probably one of the best no limit players in the world, and I I felt like fuck, man. I'm like, how can he have dominated me like this? But it was as crazy as it sounds. Like, I, and I've always told stories. I had a dream. I won that NBC head up. It's the only reason why I played it. And uh, you know, me and you made a little save. Well, it was interesting. Like, let's go back to the NBC heads up championship yeah. for a couple of reasons. One is one is that. You know, you and I, um, uh, you know, I remember the party the night right. before. Right. Everybody's talking about all these young, great players, this young, great player, this young, great player. I know. You know, I they play heads up on the Internet. They click buttons. They're the best heads up players in the world. What are right. these old guys even doing here? Oh, you know oh, what I mean? Oh, and fucking what's his name? Uh, who's that jack off that I can't stand that plays head up? Uh you know who I'm talking about. Uh, whatever. And he's like, Mike Madison doesn't even deserve to be in this poker plot tournament. He's a has-been. He sucks. He can't That's play what that. they said. They said Mike doesn't even deserve to be here. I remember yeah. that. Yeah. You and I, and I, I remember... Grudgingly, I don't even... I don't know what they said about me, but... Yeah. But believe me, they... You know, it was like... I, it's like, well, these kids are so much better than, you know, than the old guys because right. all they do is play heads up on the internet thousands of hours, yeah. tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of hands. Well, guess what? Mm-hmm. You have to look me in the face when you're playing heads up and it's I a agree. much slower format. Yeah. And if you can hide the feelings on your face against me, congratulations, then you're going to have to play against my technique. And, and I say that you all know? the time and they like to, and they laugh at us when we say this, but um, I know it and I know you know it, that is something we're born with. I can literally study somebody and I don't need to know that this blocks this or this blocks this. And so he doesn't have, I just can know when I'm beat or I'm not. And they laugh when I say it or when you say it. And that's fine. They could keep laughing. But the bottom line is, is if I'm able to study and look, I will fucking somehow I pick up whether I'm beat or I'm not. And if I can't pick up on it, well, you know what? I'll make a fold and find a better spot, which is what you do really good. Uh, so, but, you know, in that tournament, I, I, I'll i never forget when the the most important thing was when I faced Isildur in, um, and he was like considered the best head up, no limit holding player in the world in 2013. He, he probably still is. He plays a lot of high stakes. And... I got in the zone and I beat him. And I think it was round two or three. It was one of the two. And he looked at me and he said, Mike, you're going to go deep in this tournament. He goes, I could not read you. You you really played amazing. He says, I, I, I think you got a good shot to win it. Now, when he said that, 
you, you don't understand that when you bring somebody who's had a little bit of confidence problems, you know, after the full tilt fiasco of 11 and now, okay, I got a guy who's considered the best no limit head up player in the world telling me how hard I was to read and how great I played. I got a good shot to win. You, you know, as well as I know, poker's a lot about confidence. So now, you know, my confidence was sky high, not to mention I had a dream. I won the tournament. You know, I, I played my ass off and, uh, you know, we'll always argue about this because we're good friends. You'll be say, which you'll say, ah, it's the worst call. And, you know, it probably wasn't the best call, but I felt it gave me two chances to win, and that's why. No, I took no, it. listen, it was a bad call, but but I'd made a bad call on you early in that match, and yeah. I was very. I got really tired. You yeah. flopped a flush. That was the A seven. Ate it off with like A seven. Well, flop top pair. You had A seven, seven five deuce of diamonds game. Yeah, I remember. Yes, and I lost, dude, like queen six of diamonds. I lost way too much money on that. Right. Yeah. And I was upset at myself. I didn't even have the ace of diamonds, I don't think. No. And I was upset at myself because I, I realized that Mike is not looking to bluff me. No. You know, that's when I understood that you were going to stay away from me. And then I'd made the adjustment. And right. now I'm like, okay, now I can win this. But a lot of times when you're playing in these tournaments, we'll have a bad moment or a bad hand that happens. And it happened to me there. And, and that, you know, know that, and, th and people don't realize a lot of times, like a certain hand like that. And this is the mistake I made at Bay 101 last month is I told myself in the first hour, it was a 10 a.m. start. Do not play a big pot because your chips are your bullets and you can't make a mistake. And the mistake when you made that mistake with a seven, it gave me a pretty big chip lead early in a match and now you're looking at trying to grind back at a disadvantage and no that doesn't it's, bother it's, it's me because tough. i've done that more than anybody right but all, you, all i told myself is that was a mistake right do not make another mistake yeah and then you're looking at now you're looking at the killer right and you know and you made that call and i i believe if you don't make that call i believe if you don't make that call and you called off two hundred and fifty thousand dollars on a flush draw in a spot where where you where you needed a lot more money in there, right? It, your math was so far off base. Well, I knew my fact, math was off. If you don't make that call, right? Then I think I'm going to win the tournament, right? And well, even after you made the call, I thought, okay, I do have to dodge whatever he has at eight outs or whatever, right? You know, and uh, I was I was kind of surprised it got there. Yeah, I I wasn't. <laughs> I had a dream. I won the tournament. <laughs> but anyway, so we're gonna Mike. You have to understand for the people at home. How many times did you tell me last year you dreamt you were going to win the tournament, that all the signs were in your favor, that you saw yourself winning the tournament, that you knew you were going to – how many times last year alone did you say that? No, I, I felt I was going – no, I never said I, – I, I felt I'm going to go deep and have a good World Series. There, back in the day, this was before so I wait, had wait, wait, my wait, injury. Mike, so, so answer my question with a number. Okay. Uh, that I'm going to win the tournament? Uh Zero. You said Zero. either. You want me to repeat the question? Yeah. How many times did you say, I'm going to win this tournament? I have an amazing feeling. Right. I know I'm going to get there. I, I, I know I'm going to get there. Well, that, we're going to touch on that. That comes from your book, Positivity. Okay. Yeah, and, but how many times did you say that? Well, I say that a lot because I have to think positive. But how many times have I said I had a dream? I had a dream I, 
I, Scotty won the World Series. I staked him. He won the World Series. I had a dream that I won. You the- probably you probably told me you had a dream two or three times, but you also almost every single day said I have a great feeling. Well, yes, that I do. Like that I do. But day. that's from you. That's from your positivity book. You know, you've seen me negative, and I try and and always say, oh, I got a good feeling. I got go. because if you go in there thinking, oh, I don't think I'm gonna win. I'm not gonna win. You know. So yeah, I do try and say that a lot, but. But before my, before I what I'm had talking my, about is what I'm talking about is extremes. Yeah. Well, that's just so you have I, you have a way you have a way of not you have a way of just you have an ex, you you're an extreme guy. Well, yeah. You're like, my heart I'm going to win. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. You do that all the time. Now, yeah. I'm not saying it's a bad thing to do. But you're an extremist but, too, Phil. <laughs> so listen, this is something that 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 I think means a lot to me. I want you to to touch on. Um, the Sean, I think Sean Deeb is, and he's my friend. And even though he's an asshole, he's my friend. Uh, we get along, we respect each other. It's fine. I think he's been completely insane with the tweets discussing, uh, markup. Uh, he's calls himself on Twitter, the markup police right now, which I think is a joke. What is your opinion about money markup and people bringing the extra money into the poker world? Well, this is the funniest one because, first of all, Cantu calls me up and he's like, Phil, you're not going to believe this. Sean Deeb is screaming Mm -hmm. at Alan Kessler for a dollar five markup. And I (laughs) I busted up laughing, (laughs) screaming. Then I called Daniel. Right. And Daniel's like, you're not going to believe this. Sean Sean Deeb is screaming at Alan about a dollar five markup. I know. And I just couldn't help it. I think it's. I think you told me the same thing. I and I'm just like, it. what is Sean thinking? Alan has to. He has like, are these? Are some of these people, some of their comments are so delusional that I'm just in shock. And yeah. some of the comments are, what do they think? We don't have any expenses. Yeah. I, I it's, mean, what it's do you funny. think? Do you think hotel rooms are free? I know. Do they think? Do they think we eat for free? I mean, yeah. you need to have some markup just to pay the bills. So I mean, you know, Sean screaming at Alan is is you know, it's 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 just what, what it's bothers so me. Absurd it's absurd. It's absurd. And then he took it personally, and I don't like where he went with it with Daniel. And I don't like the fact that he forgets where he come from, where he was getting staked by a certain person for in every tournament for many years. And I mean, he still might be, who knows, but, uh, you know, now he's had a couple good years in a row and he's like, Oh, what you've done in the past means nothing. The only thing that matters is what you've done the last four years at the world series. That's what makes you a great player. I'm like, Oh, what I don't like is this, Mike, clearly the system is great for poker. Oh, it's awesome. Not one person will tell you it's not, not one reasonable person can tell you it's not great for poker, okay? Right. We have a system where pe- where the fans can buy a piece. That means right. that means more players play in the tournaments, bigger right. fields, bigger prize pools, and it means more people are engaged in the game. So it's just a win-win-win. All over the place is wins. Okay. So they came after me, okay, I I last remember. year, and I defended for a dollar for one point eight markup. Okay, mm-hmm. this is what they did. Then some guy, I think it was Steve Badger or somebody like that, is like, all right, we're going to do the Helmuth meter. Mm-hmm. You think a dollar, 1.8 is ridiculous. We're going to keep track of his buy-ins. Mm-hmm. So I remember looking, because I couldn't help but see it on my Twitter every day. Mm-hmm. He spent 18000 He's cash for three. Mm-hmm. He spent 
He spent 32000 He's cash for six. I'm looking at this, looking at this, looking at this, and they're upgrading the number. They're upgrading the number. They're upgrading the number, right? Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, I won one for 480000 right at the end. Mm-hmm. And so the final number is Phil bought in for like sixty and cash for five hundred K. And then no one said you could hear a pin drop. Yeah. <laughs> now one of those people complained. Right. I have there was an article written by USA Today in mm-hmm. like two thousand eleven. I need to find it. Mm-hmm. Where they did ROI. Right. And here's another thing that even the smartest people don't understand. It's called return on investment. Right. So I have a big advantage because I don't play a lot of hundred Ks and millions. Right. Right? Right. And so that gives mm-hmm. me a huge advantage. So scraping by playing 1500s and 10Ks, I've cashed for like $16 million or some, some right. absurd amount. Right. I don't even know what the number is. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe no, it's 14 I, million. I know that. Yeah. An absurd amount. And so, and so my ROI is clearly way off the charts. Right. And so, and then, but anyway, people that don't pay attention, that don't know math, mm-hmm. that are just looking to take shots at me are like, oh my God, Phil's charging $1.08. Mike, I've listed six packages on the site, or right. seven. I've hit six out of seven, probably for $100,000, at least $80,000 I've hit for. Right. Right? All I do is win and win and win and win, mm-hmm. and then they somehow found a way. They took pot shots at me. It's like they forget. But here's the thing. And, I, I, and their reasoning was this. It's a 10K. It's a turbo. Mm-hmm. Well, guess which tournament I won? I won the 30-minute one. Yeah. So ironically, the very thing they're making fun I put it right in their pipe again. Exactly. You know? and, and, the, and, you know, the thing and that's I, important that, on I this. These people motivate me. Yeah. I remember a couple of the guys that said something. Now, normally I forget the names, yeah. but I was a little disappointed that some of these guys went after me. And they're like, and here's their argument. Well, Phil's taking advantage of the fans. No. Phil's taking advantage of the fans. This guy who spent $20. Right. You know, exactly. And they, this is the take p- a look at the facts. Yeah, okay. the point I'm trying to make that, is that the. Hit, let me finish, Mike. That I've hit six out of seven packages. That I've won eighty or a hundred thousand for the fans. Mm-hmm. Yet when I post at one point six or whatever it is, my right. next post, and I'm and they shamed me into not posting. They ain't never they shaming me. me. I'm gonna be posting. Not posting. I don't much. give a shit. But I've think. had enough. So I'm going back. I'm going to be posting some stuff at U Stake right. and whatever. They're going to attack me for whatever reason. Let them. But what pisses me off is when people attack that something that's good for the game. Do you know how many people subscribe to Poker Go, Mike? I had I had 200 people take a piece of me mm-hmm. when I played in a cash game, twenty thousand mm-hmm. dollar buy in cash game. I won mm-hmm. three hundred and five thousand. Mm-hmm. I tried to sell forty percent. How about the time you Only, lost and, and you didn't finish, charge Mike. them? Let me finish. Remember that? Talk that's about right. that. I know. But anyway, let me finish, Mike. Nineteen percent bought. Well, thank goodness for me because I won three hundred and five thousand, and so it was the only time my package didn't sell out because right. all these guys were like, probably shaming, right. and and all were saying it's not worth it to buy a piece of fill, and you know what? Twenty percent of the people didn't listen to them, and so I made two hundred people sixty thousand dollars that day. Right. And there was a time where I lost fifteen hundred, and I said, "I'm just going to eat the loss." Right. You know, but they don't talk about that. No, of course they don't. But here's the thing so that, that I want you to people, tell people: a lot of poker players are haters. I just keep blocking them. Right. And you know, I, I, I continue. I will shake their hands. The same people that have mistreated me, I shake their hands and I say hello, and I'm nice to. Right. You know, and I forgot most of their names. Yeah. But it's getting a little old. So the thing that I want that I touch on this, I think is important is the people that are buying pieces of you, the people that are buying pieces of me are, and let's whatever we're charging market. 
we're, we're like their favorite poker players, and there's like 200 of them that are putting up like $60 for a $40 piece, okay, where they got a chance to make real money. They don't give a crap about 20 bucks. I, and I like to sit there and tell people, when you go to a sporting event and the face value on that sporting event is $450 a ticket, but you want to sit in that front row ticket for, and the markup is uh, you have to pay 1100 on stuff they go and they oh yeah oh i can't wait to go that's fine but when they take a piece at markup of their favorite poker players and they get to sweat them during the whole tournament that's not okay and that's the problem i got with it well know? mike also it's this it's a free market economy no shit and this the united states of america has been built on a free market yes and so i asked sean the only thing i did ask him and i thought was cute i said sean so if someone overpays for a stock on the stock market it's a good point. You know, um, are you going to are you going to try to find out? And then whose judgment whether it's overvalued or not? Right. We have a free market economy here. It works exactly. really well. Exactly. You know? It works well. If, I know they're Sean trying to, they're trying to, to take it away Sean, from us, but yeah, we do have a free market. If Sean Deep wants to say, well, most players can't hit uh, aren't going to hit for money, that's true. But that's don't true. take money out of the pockets of all those hardworking professionals right. that have a chance to win that don't have his amount of money. Correct. And the other thing I didn't like that one of the players that Sean said, I think, was that he then started attacking. He's like, well, if you can't beat the World Series of poker, you suck as a poker player. Right. Did you see that one? No. I ho- I bet, oh you know what? God. I'm going to make a prediction that he has a losing their ear this year because I, when you get cocky and you talk shit, this always happens to people. Because I know because whenever I've had good years and I get cocky the next year, I have bad years. So, and you've been there before, so you can relate. Uh, but uh, it certainly happens when you get too cocky. Most people get does. too cocky have a little surprise. And I respect you a lot when it comes to like controlling your ego. People don't realize how really bad it used to be if they think it's bad now. So, uh, you know, I do respect you for that. Now that you've won your 15th bracelet, who I talked you into playing, thank you. Um, <laughs> I had to throw that dig in there. Uh, yeah, you do get you do get a little credit. It was you, Brandon Cantu, and Kat. Yeah. Basically, dude, what you didn't understand is I had a herniated disc. Yeah, I wanted I to, you to touch bed. on that a little bit. Yeah. I was in my bed in pain. I didn't tell anybody. I, I didn't even know about it. Because I didn't want an excuse. Right. And so you guys are like, of course you need to go play this. And right. and I had finished. I had made the final table on the 30-minute one a few years earlier, right. like two or three years earlier. So, of course, I needed to play it. Right. You know, it's just, I thought it fit into your – You, were, I was having a great World Series. Sort you were having question, a, a bad one. You know, and I just and the question and uh, I'm glad, you know, I'm, that was really good for you because uh, you were so down last year and, and I didn't know you were in pain. You know, I just wanted to try and cheer you up and get you back out there and and not and not let you be so down about have, having them. I remember you're like, I was so sure I'm going to win a bracelet. I'm having this. I'm like, Phil, get your ass out of bed and go win. And you did. And I'm proud of you for that because you won your 15th last year. Are you putting more pressure on yourself this year? to do well, or are you going to take it a little bit different than you normally do when you have a good year the year before, kind of like what we've been talking about? Well, you said it yourself, Mike. You said I skipped so many 10 days last year. Right. You said that people were asking you, is Phil broke? And I said, I don't, kind of funny. So. I don't um, think so. Which, is, which to me is kind of funny, um, you know, considering considering how yeah. lucky I, I uh, was we don't last need to, year. Yeah, we don't need to go there. Yeah. 
But because I had the herniated disc, I was skipping. I was skipping a lot of events. And, you, and, and the thing is, as close friends we are, I mean, you hit it from me. I, you could said, "I'm tired. I'm tired," and I, you know, I, I just wanted to try and get you back out there. I, it's a shame. I, you know, know, I realized I didn't even tell you. Yeah. Cantu is the only one who had a herniated disc, and he forgot right. because I didn't. Because listen, if you're gonna if you're gonna tell people excuses, I have a herniated disc. If I'm gonna tell people that every day, right, it's taking away. I'm giving myself an excuse. I don't mm-hmm. want excuses. I want bracelets. Mm-hmm. So I did a really good job of hiding that. Right. And uh, and so this year, I don't know what it looks like. I really don't. I know this. I'm in great health. Good. That makes you know, two of us. That makes two, well, I'm not great health, but I played through a lot of pain the last couple of years, and you know that. You have. You and, have. I mean, your your mistake, Mike, is you uh, you don't know. Your mistake, you, your mistake is, and I'll just say it quickly, is you mm-hmm. just don't. I've never seen a guy that just doesn't know when to quit. <laughs> like, as much as you. I know. Like, I mean. Never. You will play three days straight, and you'll <laughs> say, I can't even see straight. And I'll be like, take two days off, be smarter, at least one day off. Yeah. And, but not you. Not only did you come back, but you start at noon the next day. And I'm like, what are you doing? Oh, I, and then all of a sudden, you hungry. got so sick that you had a huge rash on your legs. And I'm like, yeah, I got he the, did this to himself. Have I got the MRSA staph infection. Yeah, it was brutal. I had to miss the main event for the only time in 20 years. I go, they always say the worst thing is when you get knocked out of the main event. No, the worst thing is when you can't ante up for the main event. <laughs> that was the absolute worst thing. So um, let's go to listener questions. Uh, we're going to play these and then you answer them. Well, let me just say this, Mike, about the series. Okay. I'm going to be playing, I'm going to be playing a, a lot of events. Okay. But I'm also going to probably take more time off than Smart. I have in the past. Smart. Because I'm getting older. Yep. We're and, old, buddy. Uh, We're and I old. realized that, you know, but I had some really deep runs in the, what really hurt me in the Omaha eight or better pot limits. The mm. world still doesn't understand that game. Yep. As you know, who taught you and that game, some, buddy? Who taught you, you helped that me game? a lot. Thank you. And I've had some, had some big chip leads in that game. And I think probably because I got tired, I didn't finish well. Right. And I'm really disappointed because an Omaha eight or better pot limit. is just, so I mean, great. it's just yeah. such a, so the game makes game. sense to me, and yeah. I need more results. And don't and let's not and right now until they learn it, let's not teach them. Um, I got <laughs> I got this is one question off the top. It says when me and you are at the table, who gets under one skin more? You guys have had a lot of battles over the year, but you've helped each other and you shared that open and honestly and respect for each other. Um, do I get under your skin? I think we I think we're about equal when we do it. I think so um, too. But you probably get under my skin a little bit more, but the thing is this like <laughs> my best friend up here uh-huh. was under my skin a little bit the other night playing and he called me and he said, "Listen, this is just bad for our relationship." Right. Let's stop. Let's let's be nice to each other and somehow you and Cantu and I were really going at each other hard. Uh-huh. When we played with Antonio at his place. Right. We really went after each other a little bit too hard. Now everybody loved it. Yeah. You know, they stayed up later than they've ever stayed up to play right. poker because of us. But I don't think it's great for our relationship. I think we should be kinder and gentler to each other, Which, nicer. Yeah. You know, I, I, and, because, I, and, and I think a lot of times it's cost me against you in recent years, but I don't care. Um, I have respect for I Back in the days, like even back in 05, I mean, we were acquaintances. And there's a difference between acquaintance and good friends. And so I've laid off on you a lot. And we, you've kind of done the same, which is, which, is, which is kind of good. You know, as far as getting under the skin, and you bring up in, in your home game last night, one of my favorite quotes I love to tell people, and you could tell it is like when uh, you were playing with, um, with uh, David Lee and, and, uh, and um, 
what's his name? Green, uh, uh, Draymond in a home game and you, and they beat you in a pot and they started laughing at you and you got so upset. You got up and you said, listen, motherfuckers, I had millions before you guys had anything. And you told me that story. I never laughed. That was the hardest I ever laughed in my life. Just the greatest, the greatest. Yeah, thing. that one, that one, of course, you know, just if I ever play with the NBA guys, really playing a casino, but yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, oh, yeah, yeah. you know, Draymond, Draymond flew to Vegas to play with me about four weeks, five weeks ago, six weeks ago. Yeah. And that was really fun in the season. He just flew in for the night and that was a lot of fun. Well, he's playing you're great right. in the playoffs I, right I keep pulling that at my friends because literally there's just, I mean, no one in the game is worth less than like a hundred million. It's right, really right. sick. Of course not. Right. Really sick game. I mean, I'm like, and so, and so that's the only thing I can say is boys, I was rich in the eighties, <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, "You call one million rich, Phil?" <laughs> million was rich in the fucking eighties, buddy. All right, so let's. I'm going to play to you the listener questions, and you can answer them, and then we're done. Go ahead, play it, Danny. Hey, Mike, how's it going? It's John in Texas. I wanted to ask Phil about how he feels about his relationship with you, and how did you guys first? Me and do you enjoy playing against each other? Oh, Have a good one. Interesting. That's kind of okay, like we're Johnny just touching. From Texas. So I'll say that Mike and I do enjoy playing you. We always have fun playing. When Mike and I play against each other, maybe maybe people get the wrong impression from my last plug. Right. Mike and I are laughing eighty percent of the time. We're always laughing. <laughs> we They're are. laughing. I'm kind of a fun guy to play with. I mean, I think everybody wants to play with me, and I think everybody wants to play with him. And the reason why is we'll say some ridiculous, fun stuff, but we're always ourselves. We're authentic. Yeah, and people want to be with people that are authentic. Right. So Mike and I do enjoy playing with each other. I can speak for him and say that. Next yes. question. What is the latest update on Phil Ivey? Uh, when's the last time you've heard from him, and what is he doing uh, over the past few years? He's been out of the spotlight. Hmm. Thanks. I don't know. Well, Phil Ivey was at the World Series of Poker last year. He played a lot of events last year um he had his own you know we have these uh we have these uh um mobile homes in the back and there's like five six seven of them negranu has the one that's always placed up front Mm -hmm. the first two people to have uh to have mobile homes were ivy and i and then daniel joined right away in that i stopped and uh and daniel's continued to a mobile home in the back every year uh for for however 10 years whatever it's been a long time and so Ivy was there last year. He was playing a ton of tournaments. I saw him almost every day. Um, he and I have a really great relationship. We laugh a lot, you know. I, I saw him smoking a cigarette, and he's and I'm like, "What's up with that?" And he's like, "Oh, somebody, somebody bet me some crazy amount of money <laughs> if I can smoke a pack a day, you know, for a month or something like that." Did he do it? Uh, a million dollars or or something like that and it's like I just had to take the free million and we were just laughing about it you know what I mean <laughs> and then I came back to him and I said Phil I'm not sure that's worth a million <laughs> you're gonna get hooked and he's like no me. shit and we were laughing again so he and I see each other because we walk in and out of the same door um, I have a feeling Phil Ivey's going to be in poker forever and he's just gonna keep winning bracelets and you know he he just had didn't have the best year last year at the series but so what? You know, I mean, my year was not very good at the series until right at the end when I picked off a bracelet. Right. 
Is there any more uh, Collins questions? Okay, we have one more question. This is pretty funny. It says, Phil, do you remember the first time you played with me and what was your first impression of me? Um, I've already said what uh, the first time I played with you. Do you actually remember where you said, fuck this guy, I'm going to fuck him up or anything where you actually noticed who I was or... Well, I mean, you, Mike, when you first were playing, you were more of a random guy, right? Right. And, you know, I mean, and when I'm playing poker, especially at the World Series, right. you know, I, I don't do great at remembering names. And it's, right. I tell people I meet 50 new people a week. And that seemed to be true, especially during the series. Yeah. There's like a thousand people you say, this my name, so-and-so. Oh, yeah, I don't and remember any of them. Some of them, like 4% of them or 10% are mad you don't remember their names. I know. I don't remember any of them. I'm but not, I, and, I'm, and I'm not a bullshitter, so I don't try to say, hey, buddy. Uh, I just say, oh, no, I'm sorry, I forgot your name. I, I, if they're mad, I'm like, really? Mm-hmm. You know? I'm the opposite. I go, hey, buddy, how's it going? Then as soon as we're done talking, do you know what that guy's name was? Because <laughs> I, yeah, I, I, I try rather, and be polite. I'd rather just be, rather be honest and authentic and straight up with yeah, that's people. Smart, and so, smart. So I, don't, so I, I do remember when I started playing with you because you were so loud. Yeah. You were the loudest pe- person in poker by far. You would When someone mm-hmm. walked into a room, you would hurl an insult at them. Like, oh my God, there's so-and-so. Boy, you really sucked the other day at such and such. And I'm just like, whoa. Well, my, and you yep. did that, but, but then, but then, so I thought, wow, this guy, what is, he's an asshole, right? And then, but then everybody said, well, Mikey's actually a really good guy. And then, I used to have fun with him. You have all. a little bit of a, a little bit of a diary at the mouth sometimes. Oh, of course. All right. So, so Phil, we talked a lot about, you know, what, you know how a lot of times I talk about winning a tournament and I always touch on just trying to have a positive outlook. And I, and I, I told you about, you know, well, that's because I read your book positivity. Why don't you just, uh, take a minute and tell everybody about your book positivity and what you, what it means to you and why you wrote it and how you're trying to help change the world. Yeah, no, I mean, I thought I really believed that I realized in 2001 that I inspire people mm-hmm. and people are like, what do you mean? You're the poker brat. Well, we all want to watch someone who's the best in the world at what they do at the top of their game. I really got quite a thrill watching Tiger Woods win, you know, and I got quite a thrill watching him win when he was hitting the ball two feet away from the pin every day. <laughs> you know, right. it was also fun for me to watch Michael Jordan and the effort and the energy that he puts into the game. And so I thought, all right, I can be inspirational. And then the next step was, well, how far can you take that? And so I kept hearing from friends. I kept hearing from people that they were lucky to be super successful. I live in Silicon Valley. And they'd always be, I was lucky. I was in the right place at the right time. So I started wondering, what does that mean to be in the right place at the right time? And it took me 10 years to figure this out, thinking about it a lot. We're always, all of us, in the right place at the right time every day. And so that's why my book is called Hashtag Positivity. Uh, You're always in the right place at the right time. And so I just started using techniques that I basically used to become a great poker player that I used to accomplish all of the things I've accomplished. Mm -hmm. Writing New York Times bestsellers, hosting TV shows, you know, all of the cool things that I've been able to do in my life. It's not an accident. And right. so, you know, um, one of the things when I first got started is I wrote down my long-term goals. Mm-hmm. 
And, you know, and that was way back in 1987. So there's a chapter about writing your long-term goals. Now everybody talks about that. So, but there's another chapter, and this book takes 70 minutes to read, that that talks about, about writing down your yearly goals. So 2019 goals and taping them on your bathroom mirror. Mm -hmm. And ever since I put this book out, Tony Robbins has been telling people in his classes to buy my book, which is the most incredible thing to me. You know, here's one of the guys that's influenced the world so positively for millions of people, maybe a hundred million people. He's telling people to buy my book, hashtag positivity in his seminars. And it just kind of blew me away. And it tells me that really I'm on the right track and, and, uh, I'm changing people's lives. I mean, people are tweeting at me, look at my goals. I, I wrote them on my bathroom mirror. I taped them to my bathroom mirror. Uh, you know, the other thing is, another chapter is write down your blessings yeah. and tape them on your bathroom mirror. So that's four of the chapters right there. There's only eight chapters. Well, that's great. I don't want to give away any more because yeah, you know, I want people book. to buy the book. But right. I mean, I, I just, I ran to this guy, Mike, who was a professional. Um, he, he basically played... Um, he plays the game, um, uh, uh, you know, what's cricket for a living. I ran into a cricket player mm-hmm. up here in Palo Alto at dinner with him and his partner. And, you know, he's been crushing it. And he told me he read my book. He's already made $100 million in business. He said it just made him think much bigger. And he's, he read it in 70 minutes on the way back to South Africa. Right. And he was just so pleased with it. Uh, another CEO of a company that just sold a company today, and he just sold Cura Brands for 1.2 billion Canadian dollars, about a billion dollars. The deal was announced today, and he's talking about how my book Positivity helped his life so much. Okay. You know, Cameron Forney. And when I hear powerful people that are doing powerful things, CEOs and founders, you know that that makes me feel good because he might end up hiring another thousand people. But, you know, I think I'm going to sell millions of copies of well, the book Positivity. That's, I'm glad that you're that with the book. I'm, I'm going to have to read it. Like, I, I write on my bathroom, like, take a shit, take your meds, <laughs> fucking, fucking, don't fucking die of pain today, get money to feed the cats, go to McDonald's to eat your lunch because you can't afford anymore. But, no, I'm joking. But, uh, you know, uh, I know about positivity because the fact, like, I used to be real negative, like, back in 07, and I used to say, I'm the unluckiest player in poker, I'm the unluckiest. And then one day I woke up and I started reading those those books like uh, The Secret and, and uh, The Power of Positive Thinking, and uh, that was when I had the weight loss bet with Ted, and so I was working out every day, and I said, you know what? I'm not the unluckiest player. You make your own luck. If you believe you're going to win, you're going to win. And then I, I went on to have a massive 2008, and then uh, 2010 was great, and and the rest is kind of history. So uh, I do believe you make your own luck. If you believe you're unlucky, you're going to lose. If you believe you're going to win, you're going to win. I believe the you have to stay in a positive mindset, and it's very important. So. I appreciate it. Positivity is so important to people in life. And so, you know, to me, to me, I'm so happy that, that I wrote this book and I just feel like, you know, it's, it's for me, the journey's complete when I've helped a million or 2 million or 10 million people, you know, and it's one of those books. I think the truth sells. That's why, 
That's why Play Poker Like the Pros became a New York Times bestseller. I told everybody how to improve every game they play at poker, from Hold'em to Stud to Stud 8 or better to Omaha 8 or better. I told everybody, you know, how to improve. And so the, it was full of truth, and it became a New York Times bestseller. This book is full of truth. And, 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 and it's eventually going to spread because people are going to tell their friends to buy it. And it's eventually going to end up spreading and selling millions of copies. And I, and I want to go out on, on a limb and say, and, the, and I mean this from the bottom of my heart, you know I speak from the heart. When I finally got the spinal cord stimulator put in and it had relieved about 70% of my pain, I went down to L.A. and you sent me, with, you helped stake me and you sent me some money down there and we were up like, I don't know, 13,000 and, and you told me, you go, no, I'm not putting you in the 10K. You're going to win your seat into this thing. Now, I don't know if you would have put me in or not, but the bottom line is, in my mind, I said, you know what? Fucking feels right. I'm going to go out and I'm going to win a seat. And when I went out and won a seat, every single day, I would tell you hands I played, what happened, and you would keep me in this positive mindset day after day after day after day and we talked a lot and and probably for the first time in years my head was clear i was able to have conversations with you that made sense um and i real i i I'll, i don't give her what what any of these young kids say i believe that i saw two people that were as good as me they might have been slightly better than me and i am played a no limit tournament in two years well they play 40,000 of them a month so you know what You're, you you said something to me Mike you forgot you were one of the best in the world in this game for many years like don't believe all these kids that they're better than you they're not and you kept that you kept that positive you know in, instinct into me and uh, and it helped me get where I was and uh, gave me a good Mikey, shot to win do you understand that Daniel has this Daniel has this uh $25,000 buy-in thing every year, mm-hmm. right? It's a beautiful event for poker. Good yeah, job, kudos draw. to Daniel. Yep. You know something? You and Cantu always go for one or two points. Or and zero. I, I went for in. zero the last two years. <laughs> always walk in and I say, Daniel, and or Jason Mercier, or Sean D. Benny, you guys, here's what I'll do. Y'all take your whole board, your 120 players, your 200 players, and I'll bet $10,000 a player and I'll take Mike Matisau. Mm-hmm. So if Mike finishes a hundredth in points, we break even. Mm-hmm. If there's 200 players, mm-hmm. now I think I don't. I think that you might have finished what tenth in points, twelfth in points. Yeah, you were right up there. Yeah, two years in a row, I've been in the top ten or fifteen. But yeah, exactly. And I would have won a fortune both years. And that and was every with, year they pass, and yeah. every year they don't pick you anyway. And I'm like, what are you thinking? And that You're was me, with to me pick and the pain. Guys that have the most points, and they never pick you, and they never pick Cantu. And I remember one year I went to them and I said, Jason was almost ready to bet me. I said, 10K a player. You just choose 100 players from that list. I'll take Cantu. Mm-hmm. And I think Cantu finished fifth in the points that year. That was, yeah, Jason three, would have lost three years ago. Yeah. 900,000 to me or something. But <laughs> Jason was smart to pass. But that's the only time I'm looking to gamble is at, it's during Daniel's 25K. I always walk in there and say, I'll take Mattisau, who you didn't even pick against your whole field. <laughs> You know, and and they they they, they yeah. always say no, and they're smart because they would have lost a lot of money. Well, but I don't know, understand. I it, it, it shows to me it shows the disconnect between what people think and what actually is a reality. It's so true. It's so true. All right, my man. What a great, great, great conversation. Uh, I'm gonna go back and smash you on the app now and. Uh, 
I won like 200 points yesterday. Whee! I'm getting sick of losing to the app. I'll talk to you then. <laughs> Later. Bye. The Mouthpiece. I hope you enjoyed episode six of The Mouthpiece with 15-time World Series poker winner Phil Helmuth Jr. I'm very happy to say and call him my friend. He's a great guy, no matter what anybody thinks. And I can't wait to do battles with him at the felt this year. For all of you that are listening, leave a rating and a review and tell us what you think of the mouthpiece. Thank you so much, and we'll see you next week. The Mouthpiece.